where you're at. We got a wonderful guest. Of course, this is Michael, the host of the Air Attack podcast, and uh, we made it through Wednesday, and uh, we're halfway through the week. But nonetheless, if you are a first-time listener, welcome, and we're glad to have you on board. Nonetheless, we got an exciting uh, guest on for today, uh, all the way from uh, Australia, Miss Gabby from Intense at fit i'm sure it's not the way it's probably said it intense fit we'll talk more about that i hopefully she'll be able to pronounce it a little bit better than i did but uh, gabby from the united states to australia good evening from my end and of course good morning from uh, your your country hi mike thank you yes I, uh, it's thursday over here now <laughs> it's a little bit ahead of you <laughs> and yeah thank you very much for having me here very excited <clears throat> Absolutely, and of course, uh, looking, been looking forward towards this, and of course, the unfortunate un, un, circumstances that kind of took place um, from the previous show, but nonetheless, um, glad to have you on. First things first, um, before we kind of kick into gear, how's life in Australia? Kind of get the feel of uh, what's Australia like? Uh, it is, I, I really, really enjoy it. I I'm a person who enjoys a lot spending time outdoors, and that's something that is so easy to do here. There are cycle paths everywhere. You can go to the beach. You can go to the river, especially the city where I live in. Um, and I don't know. I find it very, I guess, relaxed life, lifestyle. It's uh, it's easy to find enough time in your day, I find, mm-hmm. uh, to do the things that you love, still go to work, and then get some time to relax in the evening. So, yeah, definitely a nice balanced life from my perspective. I don't know if anyone else listening <laughs> would disagree, uh, but at least for me, it's something that I really enjoy. We do have listeners uh, in Australia. And so hopefully if they are, uh, if they have a Twitter and they're listening, you know, let us know um, at area underscore podcast of uh, what you guys like to do. What are some things that you like to do in Australia? What are your top, top, let's say top three things you like to do? Well, <laughs> I'm a triathlete, so I probably will be swimming, cycling, and running. <laughs> um, but no, I guess like I, I love so, uh, something else that I love from here is the coffee. I love going Ooh. to coffee shops and trying different, uh, yeah, new places. I just find that the way they pre- they prepare the coffee here, I just I don't know. I, I I haven't tried anything like that anywhere anywhere else, and I really enjoy a nice uh, morning uh, sipping my coffee, especially after my training session in the morning. Coming from a coffee guru over here, what's your favorite, uh, what's your, come on, your favorite flavors of coffee or kind of favorite kind of coffee? I always order a cappuccino. Um, but yeah, it's different to what you would see in the U.S., which mm-hmm. is like very foamy. Yep. Over here, the, the milk is not as foamy. And instead of putting cinnamon on top, they put chocolate. So it's quite nice. Ooh, I may have to uh, visit Australia just for that. Yeah, yeah, 100% recommend. <laughs> um, but uh, kind of kick in, I'm probably, you know, like I said earlier, I probably butchered intense fit. Um, but uh, kind of tell the listeners a little about that. And I know that you're, you know, part of the sports nutritionist and uh, helping athletes. We'll kind of dig more into that and kind of tell us about intense fit and what it's all about. 
Sure. Uh, so the the correct way to men talk about it is intense eat fit. Uh, nice. I don't like if you can see it on my mm -hmm. over here my logo. Uh, Previously, my business name was Intensity Sports Nutrition. Nutrition, uh, and the way we like we came with Intensity Fit once we rebranded was the part of like uh, reflecting a little bit more the part of being involved with nutrition and sport and fitness and things like that. Uh, I keep thinking it's a cool name, but every time I'm on the phone trying to tell someone what my email address is, it's a pain. <laughs> Because obviously it's like Gabby at E I N T. It's just sometimes I, I wish I had something like Gabby Nutritionist.com or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yes, I'm a sports nutritionist. I specialize in optimizing performance for endurance athletes, predominantly triathletes and ultra distance runners, by making food their best ally in a sport and life. I like that. Now, <clears throat> is this something you've always wanted to do growing up or was it something that just kind of caught your attention throughout your, let's say, your career, so to speak? Um, I've been, I guess, involved in the sport mm -hmm. since a very young age. And I remember for a very long time, I wanted to be a, a coach or physical education teacher or something of the like, just trying to be involved, especially with like forming kids into like getting to love the sport because to me being involved in the sport even though I've never been like this talented athlete I just right. I'm someone who really enjoys it uh, to me it was like such a good way of helping people to learn about discipline and a structure and like I, I kept thinking that I was having better grades in the school because I had all these extracurricular activities that I, I like needed me to be focus on like okay i need to have my homework ready otherwise i won't be at my training session and things like that so i always knew i wanted to do something in a sport for a while it was like all right i want to do coach or something like that um however when it came the time to choose my degree the options for becoming a coach at least in mexico which is where i'm from mm -hmm. they didn't seem that appealing i just couldn't find anything that would be like, oh, this this feels challenging enough for me or like that that will be fulfilling. And that's when I came across of the, the, the nutrition degree, which is the dietetics. And especially the university where I did it, they had a very big component on exercise, health, sports, nutrition. And just by looking at the curriculum, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I love that I can combine food and sport and help someone in that way and something that I'm so in love with. So the moment I stepped into that degree, I knew that I wanted to be a sports nutritionist. I remember a lot of my classmates being like, oh, I don't know if I want to be clinical or work with something else. I had it very clear since the beginning. Like I, I want to fit like end this degree and keep going in my path towards sports nutrition. I like that. It's something you brought up, which I kind of, I'm kind of curious on. I know you say you're from Mexico. How in the world did you end up in Australia? I think it's similar. So um, I, I was when I well finished my degree. Then I did a graduate diploma mm -hmm. in sports nutrition with the International Olympic Committee. That one was online, so I was able to do it from home. But I still I finished that, and I still had this itch of going somewhere else and doing a master's degree. 
Um, originally, my plan was going somewhere in the UK because usually with that diploma that I completed, I could have like a master's conversion mm-hmm. or something like that. And all the universities were in the UK. Um, but when by the time I was checking, the timing wasn't right. Uh, it would have meant that I would have to wait another whole year because in the UK, they start the, their the semester like in September. And I was keen to start pretty much the next year, not like so long. Anyway, so I discovered that in Australia, usually the semester starts in February, March. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started to look at degrees over here. And when I came across the one in the University of Western Australia, which focuses on his master of health science, specializing in exercise and health. I was like, that's perfect. I just fell in love with the whole thing again. <laughs> and yeah, that's how the, the funny thing is that Australia was a des- like destination for me that I always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, okay, I always wanted to go to Australia. I want to go overseas to study. Why, like, why not combining them and just go there and do my degree there? So that's how I ended up here. That was, I moved here in 2016, finished the degree in 2017. And just responding to your first question, I was like, how good the life here. (laughs) This is really good. I really enjoy being here. I know very, very few people that's actually visited Australia, not enough to really give a give a uh, summary of it but i've heard i've heard good things of it i'll put it that way yes no it is good i feel like i keep telling people that i would be 100 percent happy here if it wasn't because my family are still all in mexico that's probably the thing that i like is the hardest that if i could make australia better it would be like put it next to mexico and like just like a road trip <laughs> to get home <laughs> I like that. But no, I could see that because obviously Australia, even from, you know, literally from from North America, it's, it's obviously a ways flight wise. And then we'll also kick into some sports nutritionists. How long of a flight is it from North America over to Australia? Oh, so the path I typically take is mm-hmm. Dallas to Sydney, which is like that's the connection like Okay, US, Australia, I still need to do another one to get to where I am. Right. Uh, but Dallas to Sydney is typically 15 hours. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it, it takes a while. <laughs> so, on top wow. of that, is obviously getting here where I live, which is another four or five. And then when I, I'm in Dallas, getting home is another two. But anyway, it's worth it. Hey, I like it. And it's pretty cool. I like your story. I like it. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> when it comes to sports nutritionists and athletes, when they come to you um, saying, hey, Gabby, can you help me out with X, Y, and Z? What's the first thing you evaluate when it comes to trying to get their uh, nutritionist plan together? The very first thing is understanding what their current habits are, like what their behavior or the things that they are doing right now. Mm-hmm. The way they are structured, the, the type of lifestyle they have, what sort of meals they typically enjoy. And from there is building into, all right, if this is what you're doing, let's see, like it's identifying the gaps of the things right. that they are missing throughout the day and see how we can make that work better for them. And also when it comes, because it's a lot of what I do is looking at what they are doing before, during and after the training sessions, it's also analyzing that. It's like, okay, are you eating before training? What what kind of things are you eating? How are you feeling with that? And then when you have your long training sessions, what are the, so, the sort of things that you're taking with you? And afterwards, how much 
priority are you giving to the meal that you consume straight after your training session? Mm -hmm. So it's typically we start from the part of let's see what you're doing. And from there, we build instead of wiping everything off and like, here you go. This is what you should be doing. And that's it. I like that. And they bring an interesting point. I think you see that at least here in America, you do. And I know some people that definitely do. They they stick to why well, we do this type of a diet. And if it doesn't work out. They completely, like you said, they wipe it off, start back from scratch again to whatever other diet that they have. What's the pros and cons? And I'm learning, of course, all this as well. What's the pros and cons to sports nutritionists when, when you get to like that, like to that point where they completely wipe it out and start back over again? I think the biggest con is that building that habit and trying to change everything in your lifestyle overnight is very, very hard. So making it sustainable is something that is going to be very tricky. Let's say someone who, I don't know, um, goes training in the morning and then needs to go straight to work and they already have some sort of routine organized in terms of like how they get to have their breakfast before uh, heading to work or what sort of lunch they get with them. And suddenly saying like, oh no, 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 no. Like you shouldn't be eating any of that. From now on, you need to have these meals. They can do it. Someone who is very motivated is going to do it, but they are going to do it for potentially a whole week. If they are Mm -hmm. lucky, like they are like organized and they they can do it. So that's possible. But then if you if you want to continue with that, just start finding things along the way is is, are things that either help you realize that some of the things you were eating before were things that you were actually enjoying and, and now you're not having them. The other one is like, oh, I was bringing this to work because it was easier for me to eat this cold thing because there's no microwave or the the way around, there's no fridge. So I need to have this here near me. So all these things start coming up and it's very hard to sustain it. So it's all right, going back to square one and instead of fixing some things, we're back to where we started and like trying it again. So I would say that will be the biggest con. I guess if someone has the resources and the ability to do it, it could be possible that is, all right, I've, let's say someone who has a chef and they just like get whatever they want during the day and they can easily mm-hmm. wipe everything off and start from scratch without any issues. Yes, maybe that can work, but how many of us are able to do that? Exactly. Um, so I think it's important to be realistic. And, and if we want to sustain long-term change, it's better to start small. I like that. And um What's when it comes to diets? Of course, everybody's body's different, obviously, in in many ways, and more or more more ways than some. But what would be? Is there like a recommendation of it when it comes to a diet that you'd recommend to people out there to to athletes, or is it just really varies on their type of a body scheme? It varies it's there's nothing set i i know that it's easy to say like oh i like if this this person is keto and like we see these things right like oh according to your body type you should be having this type of diet (laughs) it's not necessarily like that i guess that's why it is so hard as a dietitian uh to to get this breakthrough message because typically what we advocate for are things that we keep hearing everywhere uh, but it's not as, I guess, sexy or fancy as mm-hmm. saying like, oh, just wipe all carbohydrates or just start eating lots of, uh, I don't know, blueberries or whatever new uh, 
fancy food is is popular. Uh, the thing is like, no, 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 we actually need to work with each individual and understand what their circumstances are, what sort of training they have, what are, like whether they have food intolerances or anything like that. And from there, find the things that are going to help them the most. I would say that the things that overall I often recommend is one, we will never like at least never, never uh, cancel, like stop consuming in the, the main food groups. So everybody right. has carbohydrates, fats and proteins in their diet to a certain level, everybody. Uh, the next thing is variety. We focus on them having a wide range of food whenever possible. We, once again, we have this person who is going to work and things like that. Maybe it's hard for them to have very different things every single day, but it's also not helpful if it's that the, the typical meal prep where it's like rice, chicken, salad every single day. That is not giving a wide range of nutrients. So it's important to have variety in the day-to-day intake. Uh, to me, those probably are the biggest things to look at when we talk about general population mm-hmm. in terms of like what when we think of healthy eating is like all right let's make sure that within your possibilities there's enough variety and let's not cut out let's make sure that all three macronutrients are present as well i learned something new because i see i'm often fault at fault for that i think at times we kind of stick to our lunches it's typical you know salads or stuff like that we assume that could be healthy but see I learned something new, obviously, to not even, uh, obviously, you got to spread out your variety because you still got to, your body still needs those um, food groups, so to speak. And so, nice. Hmm. Hmm. I have to mix it yeah, up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like it's something that, uh, yeah, I, I guess the other part to understand is that food is also something that we enjoy. Uh, so if we restrict ourselves to something that because I feel like that's a lot of the mindset that a lot of people have and even I had for mm-hmm. a while is that for it to be healthy it has to be boring it has to be something that is not appealing it has to be something that is like oh I really don't love this but it, like this is healthy so I better eat it whereas it's possible to have something extremely delicious and still call it healthy because it's something that has plenty of colors and flavors and textures and all these things are something that we're enjoying and food is meant to be enjoyable. So there's nothing wrong with that. When it comes to an athlete, is it a good or does it, I guess it goes back to the body figure for that certain athlete, but is it a bad thing? Cause I know a lot of people do the, do a lot of protein is a high protein diet really necessary when it comes to sports nutritionists or in sports nutrition, I should say when it comes to triathlons or triathletes or just even like a soccer uh, football player, someone, someone to that degree is, is a high protein diet. I guess what I'm trying to say is a high protein diet. Is that actually a good for somebody? Is it a good diet to be on? There we go. Yeah. Uh, so typically most athletes are, they have a higher requirement of protein. Mm-hmm compared to the general population. However, uh, not to the degree where we're told as to the point that is so much that is essentially taking the, the, the great majority of the, the protein, in the, sorry, the nutrition intake. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about typically the way we do it is in grams per kilo, 
kilogram of body weight. So let's say if in the normal population, we are looking at at least one gram of protein for kilograms. And I'm very sorry. I know you, you think of pounds, not kilograms. No, you're good. <laughs> That's the way my mind is. No, you're good. <laughs> um, but typically at least one gram up to, let's say, even two Usually in an athlete, you'll be saying like, well, at least 1.5 to 2.2, 2. 2.5. Uh, but if you were to, let's say, translate that into actual grams mm-hmm. of protein in the day, if it's an 80 kilo athlete, we're talking about 160 grams. When we're looking at a lot of uh, uh, diets that are super high in protein, that is way exceeding that. And the thing with that is that not because you're having more protein, it means that you suddenly are going to develop more muscle mass or it just comes to the point where you are essentially putting your body at stress because you are not actually using that as it's meant to be because protein is there to give us a structure and function, not only for our muscles, but there are many components of our system that, and when I said muscles, I mean like not the muscles that we see also, like there right. are other other things that our body requires protein for. Um, but not because we're consuming extra is going to suddenly make us double size our arms or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, and the thing is that usually, especially very active people, my my specialty are people who are in, in endurance, which is runners, triathletes. I can't speak too much about soccer players, but I do know right. they have very high activity. So it's likely their carbohydrate in needs are going to be high as well and that's something that a lot of people don't understand especially now that we are in this trend when carbohydrates are Mm -hmm. the billion and they are the one that we should be avoiding and the thing is that carbohydrates role is to give us energy and if we're someone let's say assuming a soccer player who is going Mm -hmm. to practice three hours a day four hours or as long as they want they are using a lot of acti- a lot of energy and not having carbohydrates is going to make it hard for them to sustain that level of training and keep showing up to each training session with with the energy that they need and the worst thing is that because of that there's more likelihood of illness of injury and many other things just because we were restricting our energy intake to a degree that it was not helpful um so yes the, the athletes do need a little bit more protein but not necessarily as half of the intake has to be eaten. <laughs> well, that's good to know because I know in my playing days, we had quite a bit of protein and I thought maybe I was a little too much, but you know, you're not going to second guess your your trainers because, you know, so I was kind of mm. wondering, that's my own perspective, kind of wondering from that protein aspect. The, the typical triathlete runner, I know you've done your share as well. What's a normal routine when it comes to training? for a uh, for a race or any kind of event yes um it i guess it varies from person to person uh for me and for a lot of people i know who because i'm part of a triathlon club and i know we follow a similar system (laughs) typically you have some training session in the morning that's probably when you have the 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 main session because usually you have more it's possible to have a little bit more uh well, I wouldn't say time, but there's that opportunity there, and that's where most people train uh, for endurance, especially because as endurance athletes, we typically race in early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So getting used to that is helpful. Um, so usually, let's say, at least as a triathlete, I swim three times a week. I run three times a week. 
And I probably should be cycling three times a week. I'm cycling once <laughs> or twice, but that's more because of the current things that I have going on. Understand. Uh, but something who has the ability, probably three times a week or at least two times a week each discipline, plus adding some uh, gym sessions as well. Um, but I would say that someone who is thinking of a entry level or starting in triathlon, probably something like once a week having a training session should be sufficient to to get and have a good a good result during that race. I'm I'm bound to ask you how how long can you run? What's the longest you ran? How many miles can you run? I should say. <laughs> I am not I am not an ultra runner, so the longest I've run has been a marathon, so 42k wow. or what is it? 26. It's 26. Yep. Yeah, 26 miles. Uh, that's the longest I've run. I have. I just, for example, I have a athlete who just completed a 24 hour race and he just ran 250 kilometers. I'm sorry. I can't translate that in miles. You're good. <laughs> it's, a later here. it's a lot. <laughs> but it's a lot. <laughs> for 24 hours. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a lot. Um, so yeah, no, there are, like, he, the thing is that he also has uh, the, the record here in uh, Australia for running the longest. I think it's, it's like, 300 kilo. I don't want to be wrong but it's it's a long time running as well uh, but that is this special case of ultra athletes I do have others who typically well not typically can run up to 100 miles and there's other another 200 mile race as well so I'm sure you can imagine the oh. the level of yeah of endurance and I I guess at that stage is mental toughness uh so many other components get involved. Definitely nutrition, quite mm -hmm. necessary. If you're going to be exercising for so long, getting your nutrition right is super important. Um, so, yeah, they are just superhumans, I think. Wow. That's a lot. Yes, wow. it is. However, for someone listening, because I know your audience is not necessarily... 100% athlete. Right. Super important. Uh, because sometimes I feel like people get discouraged. It's like, oh, how long can you run? It's like, well, I have run a marathon. It's like, oh, and I was mm -hmm. proud of my three mile run or whatever I did. The thing is that everybody starts yeah. there. Like, no one just suddenly starts running and goes and does a marathon like out of nowhere and do it properly without injuries or anything else. Maybe someone can one day say like, oh, I'm just going to do it. And they may complete it, but let's see how it, it blisters injuries and everything else mm -hmm. afterward. So very important to to see how it's, if you're someone who is interested in starting in the sport, don't compare yourself to people who are already in it for years. Try and like stay with with what you are aiming to achieve. Be proud of your the things that you are achieving right now because having that consistency is going to take you to where you want to be. And it may take years, and that's fine. As long as you are enjoying what you're doing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was actually leading to that next question. Is for the listeners out there, and obviously I don't know, you know, I know some of them that listen, but I don't know obviously everyone. But for the ones that are interested in in doing a race, what would you say the baby steps would be when they first get going? Um, there are different things, I guess I will recommend. The first one is 
finding something that you enjoy. It can be if, because if, I know I'm talking about running, but it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be running. Sometimes we assume that if I want to be active, we immediately right. think, oh, I should be running or I should be like in a cardio machine at the gym, killing myself, and that's going to be good for me. Let's find something that you enjoy. What is something that you are like curious to try or something? If, if running is what is finding, if running is something that you're finding appealing, go for it. Um, the next thing is starting a small, taking enough time because we, we typically want to see change very quickly. So we're like, all right, I'm going to run 1K or let's say one mile mm -hmm. and then I'll increase it by one mile every day or something like that. That's probably a lot. This is starting with or maybe I should do some walks and then jog. I would also recommend, if possible, one is finding a group that is already doing what you want to do. Usually a group that will allow you to, I guess, do at the level that you are comfortable doing, but that you know that you can progress throughout. Having, I guess, a tribe or someone who is encouraging you, it's super helpful, like knowing that the next day it's 6 a.m. in the morning and you're like, oh, I really don't want to go, but you know that someone is waiting there for, there for you is really powerful. And then you come up and you see all these friendly faces and you are there and you're enjoying it even more. That makes it way easier for you to the next day. Be like, hmm, I really want to come back for this thing. I know that not everybody is a social person, so maybe right. that's not your thing. Uh, in that case, I would say potentially working with a coach or someone who can advise you in how to be progressing through it and have some accountability as well. Someone who is there helping you uh, be like knowing that there's someone checking on you, I guess, or, or, or seeing how you're going. And if for some reason something happens, it is possible to adjust things. So usually we, we think it's like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk with the coach because I actually didn't do the wrong session. And for a coach, it's important to know why. It's like, were you tired? What happened? Maybe we need to make adjustments so that way you can do it. So either find a coach or find a group is going to be super helpful as well. I think accountability is a huge, huge part in, in, in really anything we do in life, but especially when it comes to, you know, even running or even, you know, just wanting to lose weight or get more fit. And of course, I was doing some research, nothing bad research before the show. And I like your mission and it's to empower people to find um, the best version of themselves and accompany them on their way to achieving their goals. When it comes to just helping what uh just helping them out what are some goals that you kind of usually hear from them and what are ways that you try to motivate them or help them achieve um their goals uh the most common ones i hear is i think the biggest one that a lot of people comes with this uh race in mind it's i want to do an iron man or a 70 point a half iron man mm -hmm. or any other like big event let's say so this usually is that's the main goal uh for a lot of people they think that to get there they need to lose weight so at, now that I'm, I'm very strong with that message i feel like people who come to me now are starting to realize that <laughs> that's not necessarily the way to get there uh, but i still get people who think that they still they need to lose the weight in order to to get to that event being fit uh, and the other thing that i i I, and that's how people were coming to me, thinking that working on their nutrition meant losing weight. That mm -hmm. was the purpose of me coming to the intervention. And it's a lot 
it's taken some time in on in helping people understand that actually the reason to work on the nutrition is so they can have the energy to complete that event uh, and not necessarily losing weight as part of it. Yes, there are people who, because they've been working on their nutrition, they are very consistent with the training. They can get to drop some weight, but not to the level they were expecting. Right. It's very hard for the body to be uh, uh, having enough energy to sustain the activity that we try we are trying to do, and at the same time, not have sufficient energy to lose the weight, which is typically what we need to do to drop some weight. Um, so yeah, I would say when it comes to that, it's, it's encouraging people to see the, the the main goal they want to achieve. It's like, what do you want? Do you want to have a very successful race, or do you just want to come to the start line and look super fit? Well, no, I actually want like I want to cross that finish line and be right. feeling strong. So all right, let's focus on that one because there's very different approaches to either. Mm-hmm. And if the goal is to have enjoy that sport, to be super happy with it, to feel strong the whole way, the way like the the road to get there is way more um, gratifying than than or yeah, nice nicer than <laughs> trying to be on the other end, I guess. When it comes to, how can I word this? When it comes to, let's say they come to you asking for help, and of course, helping them maybe prep for a race or something to that degree, but they kind of get into a downset. Of course, everybody has their bad days. Is there anything when they come with at you with negative attitude, bad attitude, what have you? Is there any kind of different approach you kind of go with them, or you just how does that kind of look when it comes to? maybe prepping or just even just daily workout sessions or what have you? Yes, it's very different. I think we are, and I want to say we is because I'm part of the endurance group, right. uh, but we're very good at thinking that we need to be working as hard as we can and every day need to show up and be uh, giving our best. And But there are going to be days where something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Either something happened at work, something happened at home, something happened in your mind that you just didn't feel like it. And that is fine. The thing, the problem is when we start punishing ourselves and we're like, oh, I was the worst. I shouldn't be doing that. It's like so lazy. And then we keep, instead of bouncing back and coming back to on track, we keep going downhill essentially because it's, oh, I don't know what's happening with me. I'm terrible. And I keep essentially talking self-negative talk. And instead of being, all right, what happened there? For me as a dietitian is if they come to me the next appointment saying like, you know what, I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And they feel guilty because they couldn't. No, it's let's explore what happened. Was it lack of time, lack of motivation? What was the issue that stopped you from, from following the recommendations that we put together? And let's work on something that will allow you to do it. Because sometimes they think it's their fault when it could be that a lot of people come with very ambitious things. I was like, oh, yes, I can do that and I can buy that. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I actually didn't have time to go to the shops. Oh, okay. What can we do for you if we are not going to be going to the shops? How can we find alternatives for a meal delivery or any other thing? Or... Mm, I realized that I don't enjoy this food as much and it was so hard to eat it daily. Ah, all right, let's find something else that you can enjoy. Because that the, the benefit of food is that there are so many things out there. We don't mm-hmm. have to eat like this. There are many options. So something that I, I talk a lot with people is that often we think that the goal to get there to whatever goal they try to achieve 
is always stay on track, like be there, be there, be there, be there. When it's not necessarily the the case, it can be days when you are off track. Mm-hmm. And I think the most important thing is learning how to come back on track, not necessarily always being there. Is that part where we're, if you went down a little bit and coming back uphill where actually the improvement happens, is having that resilience and having that ability to bounce back and come come back stronger, essentially. I liked it. I like that. It's all about comebacks and how you how you finish the race. Um, if you want, you know, I guess if you will, when it comes to a comeback or maybe a bad day or stuff like that, when you race, is there any time or moment you get upset, maybe with like the position that you finished when it came to a race or is it something for you that's motivation for you to network on the next one? That is something that used to happen to me a lot, especially when I started in the sport. Mm-hmm. It was easier to finish each race. I'm feeling like I didn't give it all. Like, oh, finish crossing the finish line, I'm being like, oh, I could have pushed harder there. And then seeing the results, I was like, oh, I was forward <laughs> by 10 seconds. Like, if I had done that last sprint, I probably would have, like, won or got to the podium. And it was very frustrating because the whole time I was thinking – it I was not good at it just because the place where I was landing was right. not where I was expecting. And my thinking shifted the day I saw a, a friend who is a very, very good triathlete. And what that there was a race where I couldn't race in my hometown in Saltillo, uh, which is in Mexico. And they... I couldn't, I couldn't race for some reason, but I went to a spectate. And I'm standing at that finish line waiting for my friends to come and finish their race. And I, I'm, I'm there with my dad. He's standing right next to me. And he's saying, oh, have you seen your friend finish, how she finishes her race? I was like, no, she's always miles ahead of me. I've never seen her cross a finish line. She's right. always like, by the time I get there, she's already like wearing different clothes and everything because she has so much time. <laughs> she had so much time. All right, pay attention. So I'm standing there and I see her coming. I see this determination on her face. She looks like she has her competition inches away. There's absolutely no one behind her. She is winning by miles. And I see her determined to cross that finish line with all her energy and, and capability. And not when you see someone sprinting towards the end, like you can see how she's been pushing hard the whole time. And to me, when I see her crossing that finish line, it finally clicked. It's like all this time I've been thinking that me doing well is whatever number it comes on the mm-hmm. table and seeing how, like where, where I placed, what actually me doing well is knowing that I did everything I could to have a good race, to enjoy it, to cross that finish line feeling strong, to cross that finish line feeling accomplished with my result, regardless of whatever everybody else did there. Um, so now I'm someone who I still get tricked by, by that <laughs> by that placement because I, I can't say that, oh, it doesn't matter. Still, I still see it there, but now I'm still able to reflect on my race and be Actually, that was really good because I was struggling with my bike at this stage and now I'm getting better at it. Or then I love when I when I think of when I started and for me it was such a huge accomplishment uh, finishing a 5K race. And now I see how I can do this five-hour event 
and still feel good at doing it is just amazing. And I just can't help but feel grateful for this journey I have taken. So I, I, I'm very... I'm very happy to see how things have changed over the years and how for me it's, it's more about my race, not mm-hmm. what everybody else is doing there. I like that in many ways because you can put that into you know into a, more of like a life aspect as well. You know, we try to compare ourselves to whatever the case may be and realize, you know, we're all going to, we, we're running the same race, but we're obviously going to have different results. When it comes to a triathlete, Obviously, you can't. Obviously, nobody's maybe there is. I don't know. I don't know much about what they do and don't do, but unlike, unlike uh, basketball, football, soccer game where they can record, watch the film over, kind of watch the tweaks and kind of learn off of them, ways to improve yourself after a race. What are ways that you guys, I mean, obviously, nobody's recording you from biking to swimming to running or vice versa what are ways that you guys just individually improve yourself without obviously having that technology and watching you literally watching yourself do the events sure there are, i think there are many things to do one is not necessarily well i don't know what the pros do they probably do check their events and like analyze the video and things like that uh but at least one as an age grouper we we don't have a crew following us with a camera but it is possible for training sessions to record yourself and analyze your technique in that case that's one element your technique but then there's also the element of what was going on through your head when you were racing so it's a lot of reflection and i use it as well for nutrition for me it's very important to have the athlete come after their event and sit down and talk about how it went. What are the things that went well? What could have been better? Do that reflection. We focus on it being, we, one component of it is the nutrition part of it. Like, how did mm-hmm. you feel eating this? Uh, did that work? What didn't work? What are some things that w- you would like to change? But we also take that as an opportunity because not everybody has that with their, either coaches or themselves to reflect on the race overall. Um, that's not necessarily my role as a dietitian, but I allow them to have that reflection there as well. And I think that's super important in terms of understanding and and having a record of that. Because sometimes we are very good at, if you are, I guess, biased toward positive, you are, oh, that was amazing, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you think that the race was fantastic and forget. For example, that's typically my case. I'm someone who usually forgets the negative things, I guess, or the things that were didn't go so well. But I think recording them is not just to torture yourself. It's actually, oh, that's right. I forgot that at this kilometer, my bike, I couldn't, I, I, I ran out of water, so I need to carry more. Or I forgot that this jail actually didn't sit well at the time. So it's very important to do that reflection. For some other people who are biased towards the negative, is, ah, that's right, I remember I was very happy with this bit at this stage, so I should repeat that again. Um, so though that probably would be the way we would do it. And also, I guess for a lot of people, usually you finish a race and you are very motivated to go back to training straight away because it's, oh, I, could do, I can do better and you want to go back to training, but also important to allow this, the time work <laughs> and recovery right. is, is critical. Kind of a weird question, maybe has nothing to do with it, but do you change diets, uh, whether it's yourself or other athletes that you're uh, helping out? Do you change diets after races by chance? It is. 
it, it does change because they come from a period where uh, the bulk of the training was quite big. So they were they needed a lot of food. And they were going to this period where there's not going to be a lot of activity. So naturally it changes. I do encourage people to try and not restrict their intake because a lot of people think, oh, I'm not training, I shouldn't be eating. And the thing is that first of all, your body was eating some like this amount of food. And at the same time, even though you're not so active, your body is recovering from this super big block that you had right. the race, but also this much training session that was in the preparation for it. So it's allowing your body to naturally shift back to decreasing your your portions. Trying as much as possible to have that variety is going to be super helpful because for a, for a lot of people, if they start just eating whatever they want without trying to have that balance, it makes it easier to not feel satisfied. And that's when probably the energy intake can be more than necessary. But it's also allowing them to be if there are some things that they really enjoy and they haven't had the chance to eat them, right now is the time to do it. Or right now is the time to explore different recipes because now, because you are not training for hours and hours, technically you have a little bit more time to be in the kitchen and trying to be creative or trying different things. And so I guess the core of the diet in terms of like the variety, the balance, the stays, but is the, the the quantity that we adjust and prepare, the proportion, decreasing carbohydrate a little bit and um, adjusting vegetable and fruit intake, I guess, but not to a point that is drastic. It's not like, all right, race, race diet, non-race diet, and it's totally different. No way. <clears throat> Is there a food, I know we always have those game day prep meals that we always, that's our go-to meal. And obviously, you being a triathlete, is there a f- certain food that you just need to avoid before racing or doing a triathlete event? Uh, I thought you were going to ask which one I always have because I do have that one. Well, and that um, one too. <laughs> yeah, I guess overall, usually we advise people to decrease fat intake and fiber, mostly to reduce the likelihood of having a stomach upset. Those ones are harder to process and having them uh, for, to process for the mm-hmm. gut. And if you are going to have them either before the event, uh, it, it it's hard for your body to be, I guess, doing this physical activity while leading with your breakfast. That was, right. I don't know, let's say waffles or, or something that was very fatty. Uh, so definitely we, we recommend avoiding that. There are some people who have a specific intolerances. So for some of them could be lactose. So we try and, and choose lactose-free options. Um, otherwise, there are people who don't have any issue with it. So I'm not saying that people just should avoid it, but there are people who react to it. Um, and... Yeah, those probably will be the the biggest ones. I feel like usually one of the things I see is this uh, pizza party or pasta party the night before, which the the premise for it is that we need carbohydrates before that event to be good. We need them. And there is a whole carbohydrate loading protocol that we follow. The issue I have with these pasta parties or Mm -hmm. or pizza party is that a lot of the times it's very, very high in fat. So that can be quite bad for the athlete the next day if, if the body is not processing it right because we are increasing the volume because we need all these carbs. But if it's a very creamy pasta or very cheesy pizza, it's going to be hard for the body to process it well and that can develop in, in a stomach upset. 
You mentioned pizza, and I like pizza not as much as I used to, but I do like it. Always that myth. I'm going to ask you because you're a diet nutrition uh, nutritionist, and I'm kind of curious if we can break the myth. The myth is you can actually lose weight eating pizza daily. Is pizza truly not so much? Where I don't see how you lose weight, but is pizza truly good for you? Oh, you just use a, 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 a sensitive fiber in me that's something I'm so passionate about. <laughs> so, because it's about like, what does healthy mean? Mm-hmm. And it's very different for many people. For someone who hasn't been eating for days, eating that pizza is going to be the healthiest thing in the world. Uh, for someone who used to, like for me, when I think about, uh, about healthy eating, I think of the part of the nutritional components of the meal, but also understanding that that there are many nuances about the meal itself. The part of whether you are in, where you are enjoying this. If it's is is this a a pizza that you are enjoying as part of a traditional family dinner that everybody was part of the preparation of it and everybody the kids were created with their own pizza and things like that or is this a pizza that you're eating because you are in this uh refugee center and there were no meals and someone decided to bring a bunch of pizzas for you or is this a pizza so that's that's how you see how it changes like for someone who is it, it, it depends a lot of the context so the moment we decide that pizza is unhealthy how is that person going to feel when they've been eating I don't know, just steam beans for a week. And suddenly people bring, someone brings a pizza and be like, oh, but that's not healthy at all. It's like, oh, like, like seriously feel like right now, this is going to be amazing. Or for someone who's been looking forward to that weekend with the family, because they were going to have this homemade pizzas, all delicious, is this Italian family, they have the Nana recipe and they are everybody, all the kids are going to be sitting around it, preparing it and telling them like, oh, that's not healthy kids. You shouldn't be eating. It's like, oh, like how are they, are those kids going to have a healthy relationship with, with food in general, if we're having that. Now eating pizza daily, I, the reason why I would be, advice it against it is because probably you won't find it enjoyable at the end of the week. You'll be like, oh, it's again, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that when it comes to losing weight, that's another component that a lot of people attach to healthy is, all right, because I lose weight, it means that this thing is healthy. And there are many ways we can get to lose weight without action and, and with very unhealthy behaviors. I te- I have these presentations and I often talk about this because I'm mocking about this mm-hmm. diet. I'm talking about this dry diet and I discovered that water is actually bad for you because I stopped drinking water and I lost weight. So it should be a bad thing, right? Because if I don't drink it, I lose weight. Whoa. Like, yeah, because you are dehydrating. <laughs> it's like, that's why you're <laughs> So I'm just like making making it very obvious for people to understand. No, there's absolutely nothing wrong with water. And it's so easy to pick whatever thing you want and just turn it into something bad if I right. want to when it's not. Um, so you when I when it comes to I that's why I don't support that weight loss as a way of talking about something being healthy, because someone who let's say goes into this pizza diet and they decide to that's the way they are going to lose the weight 
probably they will lose the weight, but as a consequence, uh, at the same time, it's like maybe some muscle mass is going to go because they were not eating enough protein. It's likely their cholesterol level has increased because of all the, the, the fat they were eating from this pizza. For some, and that's why it's not something that we can say is healthy. And at the same time, it's like, where, where is the variety? Where are all the nutrients? It's likely there's some other nutrient deficiencies as part of this. But if, so, if someone who's going out and decides that they want to eat pizza today, I would say, please go for it. Like, definitely enjoy it because it's totally different. And it's we know that because we are focusing on you actually having a healthy diet where you're having the variety and we have different foods, that is going to be very different if you add that pizza every once in a while. I was wondering, I was wondering if you could debunk the myth because... You know, I've always, I read an article that they literally said pizza is good for you. Yeah, I mean, it's good for a day. I don't know if I could eat multiple days in a row, but, you know, it's healthy because it has, you got your, you know, your dairy products, your your bread and all that stuff. So I was kind of wondering. Yeah, and we can make it very balanced. That's for sure. Just like you said, like it has the it has the bread. There's your carbohydrate. It has the cheese. It has protein. We can put lots of vegetables. So it is possible to make a very balanced pizza. Uh, but I feel like they are missing the point every time they, they come up with these stories. Because it's the same with a burger. Yes, we can make it very balanced. Mm-hmm. The thing is that then we keep telling people that the way to say something is good or bad is is either you lose weight with it or not, uh, or it has more fat or less fat or things like that. So it's, we I, I do understand that sometimes we want to simplify things and make it as as easy as possible to be all right because it's easier right like good bad and just keep choosing the good stuff technically right but then you keep going and then you turn back and whenever you have the cake or the pizza and you feel so guilty about it and you're eating it out of control was that really good following (laughs) that if whenever you have the other option you feel so bad about yourself i i don't think so when it comes real quick, when it comes to fasting, and it's a big topic um, for a lot of people do it for religious reasons, and some do it just to kind of train their body to to do whatever they're trying to train their body to do. What are I could see the pros in some of fasting, but what are some things that we have to look out for when you come to fasting that we got to really be cautious about with our bodies? When it comes to fasting, and once again, I'm talking from the perspective of of, uh, sports nutrition, I guess. It's very tricky to achieve it for people who have a training session in the morning because if they are trying to complete this fasting window Mm -hmm. of, let's say, 12, 14, 16 hours, and you have a training session early in the morning, it's going to be very hard for your body to function properly when you've been fasting for so long. So you need food beforehand, and that's going to break your fast. So it is a, it comes to a point is what matters most more to you is doing this fasting that we are not even 100% sure it has a, a real benefit for you right. or making sure that your training is efficient. Because there are people, once again, if you have the resources – and you can do it who can allow themselves to go training at noon because they don't work or whatever. Uh, they, they can change their schedule the whole, the whole way just to fit this fasting. All right, maybe let's try it. But for the, the regular individual that needs to go to work or have typically some activity in the morning right. that, uh, that doesn't allow them to suddenly be like, oh, I'm just going to be doing my training session. We need to look at that. 
So that's when we talk about a sport. I can't comment when it comes to someone who is just looking at, let's say, optimizing their health. I know there is research there showing some links with uh, aging, which it's quite getting, it's promising, let's say. But when it comes to losing weight, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest that as, as, as something to do if that's the main purpose. So I I feel like there are still things that we need to understand about it. But my position as a sports nutritionist is mm, yeah. I would rather use the things that the evidence is showing is way stronger for performance compared to this that it's likely to be more detrimental, detrimental than helpful. <laughs> Last question, kind of do some random questions to end the show. For me, for example, for me, for example, someone that's going through MMA training, what record, what record, Lord, what diet from a nutritionist, a sports nutritionist standpoint of view, obviously it's MMA and all that good stuff. What diet would you kind of, what would want me to recommend or I should at least kind of focus on? Um, it depends if you are competing for a weight category or not. Uh, or is it, are you competing or is it more about like, I it's just want more to training than eventually down the road. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So in that case, it's once again, <laughs> uh, variety, enough energy, uh, being clever about, because I know in this case is different because of the type of training you're having. Mm-hmm. You can't just eat and then go to the training session because it's probably your opponent is not going to be very happy with you, like, I don't know, <laughs> your breakfast or something coming out of it or something exactly. like that. Uh, so it's it's not necessarily the timing of it, but it's overall ensuring that your, your diet has sufficient protein. That's definitely important. Uh, there are some cases for people who are not eating enough. For a lot of people, they actually do plenty uh, when when it comes to protein it actually been shown that having several uh protein intakes throughout the day more than necessarily having a super big meal full mm-hmm. of protein is more helpful so if you have protein in your breakfast and in your lunch and in your dinner and you have some high protein snacks that's helpful now when i say that it's protein as let's say you have some eggs and you had uh, chicken and you have some legumes and then maybe a greek yogurt it's not necessarily it's like oh i'm going to have this super thick steak because i need all this protein and it's is uh, <laughs> that much so it's just having that distribution there's these foods are it's they have sufficient protein it doesn't have to be like in super large quantities and I guess it depends on how much training you are doing. It will be how much carbohydrate I will be recommending. Definitely, I, I, once again, I do recommend carbohydrate being present at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, preferably. Mm-hmm. So I know some people think that cutting carbohydrates at night is going to be better. Um, but if you are someone who is doing your training session in the evening, and you need to replenish your energy and not having the carbohydrate, it's going to be very hard for your body to recover properly. I like that. I'll definitely uh, check into that. I like that. I appreciate the advice. Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you appreciate it. <laughs> no, I've learned quite a bit. And uh, to end the show, random questions, just random questions, nothing 
out of the ordinary. Presented by Law Terrain and Stormcheck.team. Check them out and uh, let them know Mike sent the, you their way. Uh, is there any unique food um, that you may not have anywhere else, at least here in America or down in, or in Mexico at your home? Is there any kind of certain food in Australia that uh, if people uh, – visit they should definitely check out or try oh that's a very good question i guess okay i have it here this is very bad and i'm very sorry for all my (laughs) because i've been here for more than six years and my friends in mexico keep uh complaining that i haven't tried kangaroo kangaroo meat Mm -hmm. Uh, Hmm. it's possible to have it here i guess that's probably something that you uh can't find anywhere else in the world or that easily so maybe that's the one there is another one well (laughs) another one that i really really love but people will be like oh my god are you kidding Uh, there is a cereal brand here that i really enjoy and i i just it's it's i haven't seen it anywhere else it's Witbix. Uh, they typically Australian kids eat that for breakfast. And mm-hmm. then once they are adults, like most of them, well, not I'll, at least this is what my partner tells me. They are no longer that excited, excited about them because it's something that they've been eating for so long. But in my case that I re- discovered them in my adult years, I just oh. love them. I just think they taste very nice. Uh, but I wouldn't say <laughs> come all the way from anywhere you are to eat with me because you probably are going to find me and, and just claim, like, what? Like, seriously, did I come all this way just to eat a cereal? <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite kind of season uh, when it comes to weather? Uh, summer for sure. Right now we're in winter and I'm freezing and I don't enjoy it. I would say summer. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, what's the temperature over there right now? Uh, right now it's 10 degrees outside. Oh. So it's not, I know it's not that cold. Where are you, Mike? I don't know uh, exactly uh, where in the Oklahoma U- City, Oklahoma. So north, uh, literally right dab in the center of the, of the country. Um, North of obviously Texas, so the town is Southwest right. Plains. Yeah, so you you do get like cold weather, right, mm-hmm. or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't get that cold here, but for someone who really enjoys the warm and prefers not having so many layers, uh, yeah, it's it's cold. <laughs> it's definitely cold. It was a hundred and a uh, hundred and four today. So. Mm. Yeah. So. I'll have to Google that later to be like how much. Is that? <laughs> Nice. I like that. Nice, probably for you, not for us. (laughs) It's pretty hot. And the last thing to end, um, finishing out. uh, Do you have any personal goals that you're trying to achieve when it comes to even your career and uh, even from your personal life that you're trying to aim for? Yes, as a business owner or a small business owner, Mm -hmm. I'm still working on. Building this business to the level I can say I'm comfortable with it. It's been a bit of a hustle in the last couple of years since I started. I'd love it. I really, really enjoy what I do. But I, I, I'm I, still not 100% happy with, with the level where I am. So trying to grow to a point where I feel comfortable. And I think it's, it, that's the business part of it. But it's also 
coming back to the part of like, why am I doing this? And my purpose is is to to support people in finding the joy in the sport, in in in, in seeing how beautiful this thing can be when you have the food to support it. So staying very attached to that purpose. I mean, if I can achieve that either because I share videos or my social media or the classes I do or different things, I'll be super happy. If on top of that, that is giving me enough money <laughs> to be uh to keep enjoying that on an ongoing basis, that's even better. That is probably the business one. Uh, as a triathlete, this year I have a my fifth half Ironman at the end of the year. And I'm hoping that I'll have a good race that will allow me to qualify to the uh, half Ironman World Championship next year. So that's wow. something to, to look for. It, it is, yeah, it is, it, it's a challenging goal, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it, that is something that, yes, I need to put the effort there, but it's not only depending on me. If like, It depends on who else comes to that race because it's only it, they only give this, this spot, this lot to the top two or three, I, I believe. So if I don't get in there, then I won't get it. So I'm just focusing. 